Well, this is a lovely place that we've come to. It's yes. just out the back of your house. This, this is where you is, walk your dog. Yes, this is Maryhill Park and the old bowling greens and the very new tennis oh, courts. Look at those. Uh, which have been refurbished recently. So there's quite a lot of activity goes on in this little park. And this? And this is a community garden. And wow. then these are my park power signs. Uh, uh, I've realised over my career that people uh, really don't have a good way of doing strength and balance exercises mm -hmm. other than going to the gym. And we know for sure that not everyone is going to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. Only the affluent and highly motivated. Strength is the most important thing to do as we age so that we remain functional. For example, I would say this is the most important one, the sit to stand. You sit on the bench, you stand up, you do it 10 times if you can. If uh -huh. that's easy, you do more. But sitting to stand is a real defining uh -huh. functional thing. If we can't do that, well, we can't get on and off the toilet. We can't get up and down off a chair. Mm -hmm. So it, it, that loss of strength and balance is a direct relation to having to lose your independent life, your ability to live on your own. So Quite. trying to just get people aware of doing strength and balance type mm. exercises, particularly as they age, but actually through all of life. Are we going to do some park power in the net? Okay, let's do some park power. Where will we start? Well, these are all the standing ones, aren't they? The yeah. armories. Active travel. They're words that get banded about a lot at the moment. But what do we actually mean by active travel? In a nutshell, what I mean when I talk about active travel is very simply our choosing to travel actively. To walk, ride or wheel our way from A to B. And if you happen to come across a couple of random folk doing some park power while you're en route, you could always join in. Bicep curls. Just, you know, using a water bottle or something you're carrying to do that creates a little more resistance yeah. and gives you the chance to build strength. We're in the middle of a health crisis and that's scary. It's really overwhelming. But instead of worrying about making massive and dramatic changes to the way we live and the world we live in, what if we could just use walking, cycling or wheeling our short journeys instead of driving them to get healthier? Yes, because it's good for us, but more than that, because pausing to play in the park is fun. Isn't and then a balanced one that I like is the heel to toe walking. So you're just walking, putting your heel in front of your toe without holding on. Oh yeah. You're gotta keep balance, like walking in a straight line, heel to toe. It's like a drunk test. <laughs> so it is. This episode of Moving Conversations is all about harnessing the power of active travel as a way of staying well, having a head scratch over the best ways to make that possible. And we're kicking off with a conversation with my partner in park power, Nanette Mutri. It's a good wee balance test. Again, you know, balance is so underrated in fitness programmes or whatever, and yet it, it's critical. It's what will help people prevent falling down Falls, as they, yeah. get, they get older and breaking bones. Nanette is Professor Emerita in Physical Activity for Health at the University of Edinburgh. And she developed these signs and messages that we're following, encouraging walkers to pause to do strength and balancing exercises as part of their weekly routine. There is still a public perception about what sport is. So if sport's in the title of something, you're probably not reaching the people that actually need to be a little bit more physically active. 
if exercise is in the title of something, you're still probably missing the people that are most in need of it because it sounds, you know, serious, supervised. It is, that's its definition. You're working towards getting fitter. But physical activity should be the term that umbrellas everything because physical activity, sport is a subdivision of that, which is all the competitive things. Exercise is a subdivision of that, which is all the supervised classes, things that promote fitness. And, you know, the other modes, active travel is a mode of that. So using yourself to walk, wheel, cycle for travel. And, and so I would love physical activity to be the term that's used rather than sport. We want to encourage people just to be active in their everyday lives. And of course, we've learned much more recently that a lot of sitting down time when you have choices is not a good thing. But mm. we're only just getting to grips with how to change the workplace or how to encourage people to get up and about and move to avoid being so sedentary. So that's a new kind of mm. motivation to get people active. But it doesn't mean you need to get up from sitting down all day and go and run around the park. Mm. It just means you get up and maybe move around your own house, do some more in the garden, even housework. You know, not that I'd want to recommend more of that for anyone, <laughs> but housework is activity mm -hmm. that is better than sitting down all day. So getting that public health message across as well is a new sort of angle to motivate motivate people just to move their bodies mm. in a joyous way, as I've often heard you saying. So just go out with the dog one more time in the day or yeah. for five more minutes. It doesn't need to be hours. Uh -huh. It doesn't need to be that much to get a health benefit. And it doesn't need to be that much to get a mental health benefit from being outside, being near green space, enjoying the flowers, smell the roses sort of thing uh -huh. is there for you. We'll drop onto the Kelvin in a minute. Um, so yeah, it's usually pretty quiet here. You know, often the Kelvin, on a drief day, the Kelvin is this sort of dirty, turgid, churning piece of water. And this morning it was idyllic. Yeah, yeah, it's very, um, the colour of the water is very sensitive to what's happening with the rain, obviously. On a good day, it's quite clear now. Yeah. And there's kingfishers down here, if you're lucky. Oh, oh that'd be so nice to see on. a little flash of blue this morning. Yeah, we can squeal with excitement. <laughs> it sounds so simple on the face of it. Being active is good for your health. So go out there and be active. Find kingfishers to squeal at. What's stopping you? Well, one thing that might be stopping us is the place we live in. Professor Rich Mitchell works at the School of Health and Wellbeing at the University of Glasgow. I am Professor of Health and Environment, which is basically everything. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, I was, uh, I've been there um, a good wee while now. And um, I lead a programme of research which looks at um, the ways in which places um, affect our health and health inequalities. Um, so we try to understand how that works and think about um, how then we can use that knowledge to you know, try to improve health and reduce inequalities. So I would say we have really good evidence um, from experiments like that if you, for, for most people, if you go into a natural environment like we are now, walking through the woods, that that will um, have impacts on our on our bodies and our brains and most people will 
uh, become more alert, they'll feel more relaxed, their stress levels will fall, um, they'll have favourable responses in blood pressure, their immune system will be boosted. So those kinds of experimental studies, I would argue, prove for most people a cause, causal relationship between being in nature and having a positive response in your body. Okay, however, most of those experiments are pretty short term. So, you know, maybe you go for a walk in the woods and, and you get measured for an hour or two. Some of them, people get followed up for a bit longer. There's some work in Japan that follows people up for a few weeks. Um, most of those experiments are conducted on healthy people. Um, actually, most of them are conducted on students because it's easy to get students to do what you <laughs> okay. want. Um, should we wander across here? Sure. Um, so, so I would say at one end of the scale, you know, in the short term, for most healthy people, can we prove that causal relationship? I would say yes. Okay. There are very few of those experiments that are conducted um, on very different kinds of people, almost none on, on kind of long-term long studies. At the other end of the kind of science spectrum, we've got loads of studies um, which just observe the population and look and ask the question, for the people out there now, on mass, does there seem to be this relationship that more kind of more green space around you, more contact with nature uh, leads to better health? I would say lots of those, and um, yeah, I think evidence reasonably consistent that again for most populations. Just wondering if we can wander up here. Yeah. Okay, so so, so, so far so good. <laughs> so so far so good. But what we don't have an enormous amount of evidence for is what we would call a kind of causal relationship. So if if we put a new forest into a community, are we absolutely certain that that will cause an improvement in the population's health there? And there, the evidence, I think, remains a bit thin. There's good reasons to think that it would. Um, we've conducted some studies around that kind of thing. But, you know, how long is that effect going to take? Is it going to work for everybody? Um, if you build it, will they come? There, I think we've got um, more work to do. Of course they'll come, I want to roar, but I am unashamedly biased when it comes to this stuff. We'll come back to Rich shortly. Meanwhile, back at the park power session with Nanette. There's a bench yeah, there that overlooks the, the Bowling Green. You don't need any particular equipment. Yeah, this is really important, I think, isn't it? Just the idea that you can have this inspiration just just woven through your everyday life, walking your dog well, in the park. Well, that's it, you, you know. Walking has created that environment for people to get their activity without expensive equipment, with no particular skill, because most people can walk, or they can walk with an aid, or they can wheel in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. That's an easy public health message, and with everyone having you know, a phone that measures their steps, or a Fitbit, or something, they, that's countable, that's easy to do. That's such a good and strong bit about physical activity for health, but this is so hard to create into a public health message that is woven into everyone's mm. life. Partly it's awareness raising, you know, people might go, what's strength and balance, and read it and not do it, that's fine, uh -huh. or other people might uh -huh. do it. Yeah. That's even better. Even better. <laughs> might plant a little seed. Some people <laughs> yeah. might do it while they're brushing their teeth. Yes, exactly, you can yeah. take it back inside. Some hospitals, the Royal Alexandra Hospital in Paisley, one of my surgeon colleagues there, Susan Moog, she's created these exercises in the corridor that she's responsible for in the hospital. <laughs> so visitors 
patients who are rehabbing, people coming to the clinic to wait, are all encouraged to do a little bit of something. Yeah, that's great. Now, if the surgeon says it's important, it really is important. <laughs> so she, she has um, led a whole pioneering set of rehab and prehab exercises mm. that way. Um, the prehab bit is interesting, isn't it? Because I think what we're talking about here, like these signs in the park, yeah. that's a preventative yes. measure. You, you're talking about trying to keep people strong and fit into Absolutely. older age so that they don't suffer the chronic conditions that the NHS is overstretched to deal with anyway. Yes. The preventative agenda is huge, you know, and I think in the health service, we're really not focused on that. We pay quite a small percentage of the budget towards prevention and the most of it is elsewhere. Mm. And of course, if that moved a little bit, it would be saving money. Lots of prevention doesn't need to be expensive, you know, and that's the, the beauty of the physical activity message. The relationship between prehab and rehab is particularly salient to Rob Friel's work. Rob is a rheumatology physiotherapist by trade, but he's also a director of Bike Trossics with a vested interest in seeing if he can bring the NHS and other initiatives for health through physical activity closer together. Through his work with chronic inflammatory disease, Rob's seen the benefits of physical activity firsthand. But we do know that like, the benefits of exercise are the same as for the, well, they're better for people with chronic inflammatory disease than they are for the general population. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of fear because people have chronic inflammatory disease, which is where we come in, to try and help to guide people through. But we also know that people have chronic inflammatory disease, but the environmental factors are going to impact on how severe it can be and how much it impacts on them in their life. So we're trying to enable people now there's a massive pharmacological component in that, but we also know that with certain conditions, if someone who's got inflammatory disease and obesity was to lose weight and become a healthy weight, that's a much more powerful tool than giving someone pharmacological intervention. Uh -huh. And I guess that's kind of where I'm coming at this. And those environmental um, factors from your point of view are what? Well, it's inactivity, basically, is the main. And so, and all, and all the problems that comes with that. Um, and that, that's really, we see this a lot. Do you think that if the people that you work with had had a more active lifestyle f much earlier on, they wouldn't be in the position that they are? So this is why I'm trying to be a little bit careful with what I say, because I'm, mm. I'm not trying to be dismissive of the conditions that my yeah, patients have got. And people are still going to get these conditions in rheumatology. But yeah, the evidence is if people develop an inflammatory condition having had a very healthy lifestyle, it's probably going to impact on them less and they're probably going to continue having a very healthy lifestyle. Mm. Whereas if they already, you know, have metabolic syndrome, you know, diabetes, heart problems, obesity, and then yeah. they develop an inflammatory condition, it's probably going to be more, more severe uh -huh. and it's then much harder to reverse those changes partly because they've got a worse condition but partly because of those behaviors they've had throughout their life uh -huh. it's not been part of their culture almost has it been active i guess and active uh -huh. travel it's just not something that people have engaged in so there's a lot of um 
you know, the physio teams and NHS do this amazing job at get you know trying to work people through these issues and problems and there's classes and so on and so forth. But for me, I guess what I envisage is you don't. First thing is a class isn't for everyone. But secondly, if someone's just been active throughout their life, can we avoid a lot of these problems in the first place? And it's a bit more sort of preventative medicine rather than. So it's that, you know, it's that difference is probably a bit of a cliche at the moment, but a health service rather than a sickness service. Mm. And at the moment we're doing a lot of sickness service, trying to make people better, mm-hmm. but maybe we could stop them getting so well in the first place. But how do we do that in practice? Could we, should we just rush around insisting that every community has a green space to wield a bit of park power? You know, people have different opinions on things and guess what, not everybody wants to go for a walk in the woods. <laughs> and. Um, you know, we've certainly been and talked to different communities who are much more interested, quite reasonably, in uh, you know maybe getting their housing problems sorted or their crime problems sorted yeah. or something. So um, I was just um, reading uh, Bono's autobiography over Christmas, oh, which is an interesting read. And um, there's a great quote in there. He says when he's talking about his charity work and that kind of. Um, you know, the pushback about the kind of white saviour type stuff. And he says, uh, the phrase he heard was, if you want to give someone a haircut, make sure they're in the room. And I just just really liked that. It just is a really nice kind of summary of like, you know, don't just rock up into someone's community and assume that because you're a, you know, tree-hugging cyclist do-gooder, that is going to save, you know, save them (laughs) and that's their priority. So there's a lot of work to do around that. There are an awful lot of determinants of health and well-being and, and we should be really interested in nature and place because it potentially tugs on so many of those threads that affect health and can have so many benefits for so many people and possibly this idea of greater benefit for those most in need. Mm. But, you know, other, other levers for, towards population health may be available and may be more acceptable. Um, so, yeah, we just have to remain cautious that we're not imposing our personal yeah. beliefs on other people. Um, and there's no part of you, like me, who is just like, oh, I wish everybody could have that opportunity, even just to, just to experience it and then disregard. But I feel like it's something that everybody should be able to find some joy in, even if it's, you know, just less pollution on their high street when they nip to the shops. That, that, that kind of thing feels, feels obvious and important, but you're, you're, um, you're asking me to think really, really uh, critically about my assumptions, which is so valuable. So, certainly, I would love it if we had a world which was, you know, less dependent on cars, lower levels of pollution, in which people were uh, happy to be and able to be more physically active, um, in which obesity rates were lower, because that would, you know, reduce a huge amount of stress in the NHS, Mm -hmm. um, in which people have enough money. Mm. How, you know, how do our priorities allow us to um, permit those kinds of things to happen so but do I think that um, you know people should be 
frog marched into the woods <laughs> to be to be shown how marvelous it is do you know what i think i think everybody needs a chance to explore it um, and in fact outdoor education i think is super important um, and there's lots of focus on that particularly in scotland uh, and I'm really happy, uh, you know, lots of people in my team are working on this, looking at things like outdoor nurseries. Mm. We work with the John Muir Award, which is fantastic um, at reaching out to all sorts of people and giving them a taste of what the outdoor world is like. Because mm -hmm. that, that was my background, was work, working with those kids, the kids from inner city areas who, had, who were shocked to see a sheep in the field when they, when they first came to the centres that I was working in and it felt unfair in some instances like it felt like I was, we were really like frog marching them into the woods pulling them out of their comfort zones which were urban environments and giving them this experience and then I could see those changes I could see them getting on board with the freedom and the difference and the the, the pleasure in being in these wild spaces and then we put <laughs> yeah, them up and pop them back in yeah. to the concrete and with with no autonomy of movement like they, they can't even get on public transport to, to get out of their, their areas yeah I, it's, a, it's a really important question to ask is if you show people um, an amazing world um, but then don't enable people who want to to kind of follow up and do that again I don't know, are, are they better off? I don't know either it's a question I continue to wrestle with what I'm really passionate about is providing opportunities for us to take up physical activities if we want to, in whatever way feels right for us. But how can you find out what might be right for you if you don't have access to physical activity and green space in the first place? It's pretty clear though that we have to opt in rather than opt out with all this. And that's just what's happening with an inspired sounding e-bike scheme Forth Valley Health Board has been using. The idea is to provide, initially, oncology patients with e-bikes that they can use to get around on, then support them to use that bike to get fit for surgery. Rob Freel again. Once they get the bike, they get a mechanic every few months to maintain the bike. Someone delivers it to their house anywhere in the health board, and then they get tracked, so they have to consent to all this. Mm -hmm and they get given routes to follow in that area and then they get a personal kind of not a personal trainer but someone who'll ring them and give them encouragement on physical activity and say you know why have you stopped using your bike this week or do you want new routes or is there any motivational issues and they get they kind of get coached through it hmm. so there's a, a a good number of people that opted into this and they've been you know they've well they've just engaged with physical activity and the beauty of the e-bike is it makes Again, those physical, those barriers for people, if they've not been engaged in cycling before, it probably seems quite a lot. Something like, you know, cycling around the forest in a hilly area, but if you've got an e-bike, it can just, yeah. that's, it, it just opens the sport up to so many more people. Mm -hmm. um, basically, they've offered the rheumatology department the same deal. We're planning to offer this to our psoriatic arthritis patients as a first group. The links between metabolic syndrome and psoriatic arthritis are very closely known. So okay. obesity, diabetes, right. you, they're not going to stop you having psoriasis and they're not going to stop you getting psoriatic arthritis if you don't have them. But if you have 
if you do have them and you have psoriasis mm -hmm. and you develop psoriatic arthritis, the chances are it's going to be a lot worse and we can reduce the severity okay. quite a lot by getting those other health conditions better managed and exercise is a key way to do that. So that's why we we've decided that group 40 years ago before we had the amazing pharmacology input we've got now and before we had the education in the health service we've got now, actually people were put on bed rest. Yeah. It wasn't always the best thing to do. Uh -huh. And for a lot of people, staying active would have been much better. Mm -hmm. But that, that, be, that belief is ingrained in society for a lot of people. And yeah. then people, they become depressed. They've just given a chronic, potentially lifelong condition. It's not going to go away and it's painful. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a number of things contribute to the pain. And the inflammatory process is normally the primary thing that they come to see us with, which is what? the drugs are for mm. but with that inactivity that stiffness that weakness mm. the sensitization of their pain system mm. it drags their mood down so people become depressed or anxious mm. and this all feeds into the whole system that um, is a complex set it is of very things. complex and that's why you know with the pain team there's a massive psychology um component to it and for a lot of patients that you know if you say to someone do you want to see a psychologist they think they think you're almost judging them yeah, there's still a stigma. Into, there's a stigma. Uh -huh. The psychological issues are their behaviours around their condition and how to overcome them. Mm -hmm. We're not saying we're trying to change their personalities or anything like uh -huh. that. Um, yeah. yeah, but changing their their attitudes to pain and inactivity, like you can, see, you can, I can totally understand why you would go to ground if you were yeah. in pain. It makes all the sense in the world, yeah. and it takes. It takes a lot of trust, I think, mm -hmm. in a health professional to be like, actually, no, just try this because you need to change your, your neural pathways to, yeah. f f to behave in a different way and it will exactly. make you feel better. The point is, if we can re-enable people to see that they can do this sort of thing, they can get out, they can be active, they can mm. enjoy their surroundings and they're not trapped in the house, and with the benefit of improving their metabolic health, and the fitness and then suddenly their inflammatory condition improves more than it would have otherwise yeah so they feel better within themselves and then emotionally they're much better and, and it's i don't know i th we could we there's so many things to unpick and it's one way of unpicking a massive part of it is my opinion and i think you regain confidence in such tiny increments don't you and it sounds like yeah. what you're talking about you know if, if th that whole spiraling downward being signed off sick for a year and then you forget what it means to to get up and have a structure in your day that to get that back to, yeah. a, to a stage where you would be happy to to walk even for for 15 minutes or or, or less yeah that that takes a huge leap of confidence to just get a tiny little bit of it back yeah. um but I can see again how it would, could spiral upwards, like an e-bike. When you get on an e-bike, yeah. you feel invincible, don't you? You feel like suddenly everything's possible again. Yeah. Um, and and I can see how that little incremental, the spiral upwards, could could start again from an intervention like yeah. that. But yeah. I'm sure there's lots of different ways to intersect a spiral downwards in confidence. But that sounds like a really good way to do to. Yeah one good strategy. I keep doing a couple of lectures a year in this emerita position that I'm happy to be in and uh, the topic is always physical activity and depression and there's really really strong evidence about the role of physical activity in preventing and in treating depression 
So that's the essence of the lecture. Hmm. Nevertheless, a question that I pose to the class always is that the World Health Organization, in its estimates of what things create the biggest burden of disease, they say from their estimates of all populations globally that depression will create the biggest burden of disease by 2030. Not hmm. cancer, not cardiovascular disease, not any of the things that we kind of worry about in our society, but depression. Hmm. And, you know, the question is, why is that happening? Why is it happening? And the class gave me a variety of reasons, you know, including the potential that for the youngsters in our society and the students are, that we're in a world catastrophe, you know, we're in an existential moment in which we do not know if the world will keep surviving if we don't do something about climate change. So mm. it's, it could be that big. But one of the things that I give them a way to think about is the inequality debate. So there's a lovely book called The Spirit Level by Wilkinson and Pickett. And their hypothesis is that the more unequal a society, whether it's rich or poor, Hmm. So there are some unequal societies that are still quite poor, any, anything with a kind of hierarchical system. There are some unequal societies that are quite rich. America would be absolutely in there, but it's very unequal. The bigger the inequality, their hypothesis and evidence shows almost every problem we face is greater. Hmm. So the problem of health is right in there. So there's a greater health problem the more unequal a society is. There's more drugs, there's more alcohol abuse, there's more murders, there's poorer education, there's more teenage pregnancies. You know, you name it, it's worse as countries are more unequal. Mm -hmm. And so I suppose there isn't a magic bullet, but I would point towards the striving to help reduce the inequalities gaps in society is the way forward for better health, for better well-being, for better education, for almost everything that you can think of, you know, reducing drug abuse, alcohol abuse, etc. According to Nanette, in terms of active travel, the activity which creates the most level playing field is walking. Walking, which we are doing today, has the smallest gap between the least deprived and the most deprived in terms of participation. Mm. And it has the smallest gap between men and women in terms of participation. And it has the smallest gap between the oldest in our population and the youngest in terms of participation. So walking doesn't have this huge inequality that other things like uh, going to the gym or playing tennis or actually cycling, Lee, cycling, might have. I know, <laughs> I know. Although you can pick up a bike for a tenner. <laughs> you can, but that's not the biggest uh, barrier, no. I'm sure. No. You know this, we of know. course. Transport. How we move through the world is clearly directly connected to our health. So shouldn't we have a more joined up, systemic approach, marry transport and health much more closely when it comes to policy making? You know, I think there, there's a reasonable understanding, kind of in the public and in the media, 
it's because everything is connected up right so you know we've got hospital we can't get people into A&E because we can't get people out of hospital because we don't have any social care for them um, we've also got too many people needing that kind of um, treatment you know we've got those are rooted in problems with you know, affluence and obesity and all these sorts of things which push people into poor health I think people understand that it's a very complex and connected problem so systems approaches I think can help us understand that the key thing is then to try to help them to use those approaches to help us understand what to do yeah um, and that's I think that's a bit trickier mm. there's a system around it that would include you know where you're living the environment that you're in the services that you've got uh, etc etc so that system is an approach that all departments of government are trying to grapple with mm -hmm. but you know it's a very complex issue and it's complex because whilst it might look okay at a kind of national level you then have to go to the local level and see if the local council authority community school or whatever are willing to go with that as well so while you know you might not think that transport and health are not speaking together they really are trying to work together on several things but then at local levels it gets disentangled again and the message isn't that clear mm -hmm. so it's a long-term project that getting all the silos opened up and people working mm -hmm. together for greater good not least of which is because budgets remain siloed uh -huh. and so you know like if if the transport infrastructure actually saves money to the health service well transport doesn't really benefit from that but somebody higher up in the chain must go that's a good thing to happen uh -huh. sort of thing i think we risk getting bogged down trying to wrestle something complex and unyielding into some kind of better healthier shape not that it doesn't need wrestling but maybe instead we should just go back to first principles and end this episode where it started with the basic idea that a society which encourages each and every one of us to just move more to pause and do a bit of power in the park when we're passing through it let's not label it a sport or exercise or even active transport will be a healthier and happier one <laughs> and so I wonder if maybe rather than physical activity maybe the overall banner should just be not sitting down <laughs> because I think even oh, physical activity the minister would like this I'm the minister of not sitting downness <laughs> Nanette maybe you're not finished yet <laughs> maybe you need to be the minister of not sitting down I can't think of anybody better to do that job than you <laughs>